Welcome to another episode of Through the Lens of Christ. Uh, I am here with Steve Douster. Hello, Steve. Hi, Adam. Uh, I'm Adam Baker, and we are uh, we come together again a couple times a week just to be able to talk about current events and talk about uh, um, uh, current points of theology and how do we see everything that's happening around us through the lens of Christ? How do we understand it as a point of uh, sanctification? How do we understand it as a point of God drawing people to him through his son? And how are all these things pointing us back to to Christ our King? So um, tonight, or today, we're going to talk about communion. We do it on the first Sunday of every month, and uh, somebody asked me about um, okay, when we have communion, what should our focus be? What, where should we be? Kind of more of what is the point and purpose, and where should our hearts be? Um, I will give complete confession that this um, person was so kind to give me an actual article on this from Ligonier, and then I have the article, but it's in my Bible, and I like haven't been hardly home for two days. I tried to look it up today at work, and I could not find the article. So there was great points on it. I just can't link to it or tell you what they are. So we're going to try to talk about communion and where our where our heart should be in this, um, and hopefully I get some of those uh, points right. I, I know you will. So we'll, we'll try. We'll give right. it a shot. I haven't read it, so we'll just. <laughs> right. we'll, I'm sure we'll hit on something. <laughs> yeah. So uh, the idea of communion, just to give a, a little bit of framework, is um, one we do it at uh, the beginning of every month, which is obviously the perfect right way to do it and most biblically true. <laughs> I have right. I mean, like everybody's got some places you go do it every time. Scripturally, it says when you come together. Um, so again, that that wording can mean both. It can be taken to mean every time you come together or when you come together, meaning that we're gathered together. So now would be a good time to do it. Um, we take it to be once a month. Really, the point is, from my perspective, is that it doesn't become rote, that it's something that we're doing monthly, so it's frequent enough, but it's also something that stands out as different. And so we just want to make sure that it's special. But when we say special, what does that mean? So, so Steve, when we talk about communion, what's the, what's the high-level point and purpose of communion? Um, worship. Uh, I would say worship surely is, and 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 following Christ's lead, his example, his command to us, um, it, it, it is something we're to do, is to take communion together as a family. It's the family meal, right? So I think that's the first point of it, I would, I would say. Would you agree? Yeah, and I think, you know, the word itself, communion, and even what you see Paul teaching against in 1 Corinthians is the abuse of the dinner. Yes. It's, it's using it as a, a time for uh, a casual meal, but so you can see that it was intended to be this kind of family dinner from a, a symbolic sense, and they just took it too casually and took it too far. But I think that speaks m- most clearly to me that this was intended to be a real uniting event among believers. Well, that brings up a question. So we're going to have a meal together. We're going to commune together. What are we, what are we feeding on? Mm-hmm. And yeah, and from that perspective, um, so we... we we take right now it's a really bad uh, wafer and juice <laughs> yeah. um, we're, we're in covid so we're we're just using pre-sealed things and it's certainly not going to be construed as a tasty snack that's for sure which is a good thing um, but what we look at is the body and bread of Christ and so we can get into a theological discussion around when we say this is the body and bread of Christ what do we mean do we see it symbolically or do we believe in um, transubstantiation, this idea that this is physically the presence, what you're going from a, 
uh, Roman Catholic perspective that this is the actual presence of Christ in the body and in the juice, and that when the priest prays over it, there's actually a miraculous event happening, creating this to be the actual body and bread, or the, the actual body and blood of Christ. Um, you have con uh, transubstantiation, which is kind of the intermediate position, saying that there's something uh, grace-conferring happening within this, but it's not fully the, the body and blood, but yet there is the presence of the Holy Spirit within these elements. So when we partake of that, we're conferring of, of grace or salvation as part of it. So that's kind of the Lutheran position, Correct. right? So that's kind of in and through the—you know what I think of when I think of that? I don't know why I have this picture in my mind, but so I think of the Roman Catholic view, which you've always meant, already mentioned, which is everything's changed. It actually turns into— right? The body and the blood of Christ, right? In the Lutheran view, it doesn't actually turn into it, but it's all through, in and throughout. I think of like a Triscuit wafer for some reason, like there's air in there and there's space, yeah, woven woven together through that. So, but that's, I think the Lutheran view. Um, I'm sorry, I interrupted though. Then, then you're, were you going to like the reform view or were you thinking? Yeah, no, do it. So, yeah. So my understanding, the reformed view is it's, it's not a physical feeding like that or a physical, um, um, strengthening by that it's a spiritual strengthening is more of the reform view I think right yeah but, it, but it's no less no less the person of Christ that's that's um, that's energizing us that's filling us that's strengthening us yep. and then I guess there's more of a is it more like a traditional Baptist view or tra- traditional I don't know what you would call it uh, kind of a view beyond that what it's, it's just a remembrance right right just it's right. just it's really just a remembrance there's no spiritual um, um, you know energizing or spiritual nutrient Right. Transfer there. If you yes. Know. Yep. Yeah, and I think that's one of the the dangers that we have is that when we that the truth is somewhere on that spectrum, right? And we end up. Yeah. Um, I think we can have a habit of diminishing too far the actual act of communion into just this. And I've used the phrasing, right? This is symbolic. This is a, right. a scripture itself says, "Do this in remembrance of me." So, it does. It's, right? So this is a, a remembrance. It is symbolic. We do not adhere to um, any form of the transubstantiation where there's actually this miraculous event occurring. But, but but if I could, the Bible also says, "If you don't eat my flesh and drink my blood," right? Yes, yeah. and that and that is from a Catholic perspective where. It, this is what it says, so therefore. Yeah. Um, and so, but I do think that when, uh, from a, a Catholic perspective, when they take communion, they do it with far more reverence than what we often do from our perspective, especially those who actually understand what they believe. Well, I think they understand it a little differently than we do too, right? Isn't the priest bringing down, and, and in some way... I guess the hard way to say it is re-crucifying Christ at that point, um, which is something that us as um, evangelicals would disagree strongly yes. with. Christ, Christ's sacrifice was once and for all and cannot yep. be re-sacrificed yes. in, any, in any way, shape, or form. Yes. Yep, and so that's why we, we don't adhere to that uh, teaching or perspective, and so we, we look at this as what, what we would call an ordinance, not a sacrament. A yeah. sacrament meaning that it is in some way grace-conferring. We look yeah. at it as an ordinance, as it is symbolic and a, and a remembrance, but it is really vital to us as a family, and it's vital to what we do as a family, and it is a very spirit-filled purpose, right? Not, not the elements themselves, but the idea of what we're doing has really good, important, far-reaching um, um, intentions. I think it does. So, so yeah, so somewhere along that spectrum, like you say, it's. I think it's, I mean, in my position, it's more than remembrance. I think I'm more 
kind of in the reformed camp. I don't think it's in any actual body, you know, in, either in between or transubstantiation, either one. Um, but certainly it's important if we're to do it. Christ wouldn't command it for us if it weren't important. And um, out of obedience, we should do it, but also out of love for Christ, we should do it as well. So now, so we align that there's no grace conferred in this event, but it is critical to who we are as believers because it brings us together as a body, and it's a command that we've been given. And so now, how should we approach the table, right? Do we do we approach it from a place of um, grief and sadness for our sin, a place of repentance? Do we approach it from a place of celebration because Christ has the victory? Like, how should we come to the table? What are the things we should be considering? Hmm. Well, that's a good question. I, have to, I mean, thinking about that off the top of my head, which is the way we always do these things, um, I, well, certainly we should come with reverence and awe for what Christ has done for us. We should come in a reflective mood and mode, understanding who we are and who he is, um, thinking of our sin, repenting of our sin, to take communion uh, with a clean and pure heart. So, so taking communion is for believers, um, it's not for unbelievers. It's for believers. I th- and I and I think I, I want to disagree or quibble a little bit with we don't get grace conferred by we get grace conferred by all kinds of things in this world. So it does come. I think what you meant to say was no, like super special. You know, yeah. the the elements themselves transferring some grace to us, but the act of taking communion as a family is a gracious act. I think you agree with that. Yes. Yeah. What we would refer to as a charis, right? The idea that there is is general. Um, grace and goodness, but the idea of conferring salvation, I should say, yes. does not come through this act. Yeah, I, yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, that completely. So, so we we come to the table as believers. Unbelievers are not welcome to come to the table. It's the family meal, mm-hmm. and if we're not in Christ, this is why I think every time we have communion here at Community Church, there is that mention of that. Uh, that if you're a believer in Christ. I guess we we have some sort of an open communion we would call it where we don't have you don't have to be a member to take communion you're on your own your own word and your own ability to take it or not um, to to do that so so yeah so coming in a worshipful stance um, repentant as believers uh, not as sin free people not as fully sanctified people it's for it's for sinners like us that have been redeemed by Christ yes yeah I think I often think when when I'm at a time of communion, just the the psalm, you know, search me, O God, right? Just yeah. know my heart, see if there be any wicked way in me. Um, I think that I'm confident that I do not always see my own sin, and I'm confident that every time I every time I take a breath, I've got a reason to repent, right? Yes. There's and so I know that when I come to the communion table, it's easy for me to just accept the elements and take them and give some brief prayer, but I need to go. God, bring me to my knees, right? To show me what what needs to be changed, and not just to go. I'm sorry. Let me go do that again. But to actually come from the perspective of, show me who I am, and then show me who you are. Yeah. Show show me what the the goodness of this act means. I have to confess. I mean, coming and taking communion once a month, and I'm I'm sure I'm here most months to take communion. Um, you know, you we've got a thirty second, maybe forty five second. You know. Let's let's have a time of peace and prayer to do just what you said to reflect on. Um, I don't do that very often. Mm-hmm. I do it once a month for sure, and I do it a few other times during the month. But to sit quietly and reflect on my sin and ask forgiveness and repentance for it, honestly, we should be taking more than 
doing this as a command for the church, but we should be yep. taking more time than that and reflecting on what we have been doing and how we've been mis- mistreating and angering God um, in, in, in pressing him away from us rather than drawing toward him. Yeah, I mean, I, I've often thought, and again, not looking to institute this, but how great would it be to just have once a month just a communion service, right, where you just sure. come together and you're able to just uh, spend time quietly, spend time in prayer, spend time reflecting, but just to have a a just a time of other believers who are on the same mind and uh, approaching the table. And I, I think that's the little glimpse that we get in Scripture. It looks like it was an event Right, rather than just a here we've got we've got it built out in our planning center software as a you know six minute time which includes reflection song passing out like forty five seconds worth of reflection, it's probably not quite what it should be. When I eat that when I eat that little wafer, I feel like passing out. But no, <laughs> no. <laughs> so so so, but 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 I li- I like that you know coming together for a family time of reflection. And you, we, you could even have it around a, a real meal, which I think is what they did in the yeah. New Testament, right? It, it was an actual meal, which you know we did talk briefly before we started recording. You know, a lot there were some abuses of that, right? People coming to get filled with food and not there to worship Christ in that meal, yeah. which is a huge problem. And also, yeah. you know, of course, the Bible mentions, you know, people being sick and dying because they took the meal and they took it inappropriately, yeah. which I think that I'm sure that still happens today. I don't know that I can point to any picture of that person myself, but yeah. I surely that does happen today. Right. Yeah. So I think we we say that we're coming with a. Um, with a, I wouldn't say a right heart, I'd say a willingness um, to see where our sin is, a willingness to be convicted, um, and also a graciousness of what God has done, what Christ has done on the cross, and how those two things collide together. And I think it brings us to a place of both um, uh, a somber tone, reverence, awe, and also one of celebration. Right? It's, it's this uh, kind of mix of, I don't think it needs to be just a, a sad time to take communion oh, because no. we're so convicted and guilty. I think like that's the first part, and then there is this amazing recognition of what he's done already, that it's not about what I, what I have failed at, it's about what he was successful in, his victory. Yeah, I, th- I, think, yeah, I think that's true. So it should be a time of transparency, and then I think of the family taking communion together, the church family taking communion together. It should be a time of knitting us together somehow. I have to say I don't always feel that, but, I, but it should be with all of us being transparent. I know we're, we're sitting individually in the seats or the pews, if you'll call them pews, in the, cha- in the chairs in, our, in, our, in the room and individually doing this. But there, it would be helpful, I think, if it, if it would find a way to knit us together as a family together. I'm sure that's the intent as we talk about what we're doing. Um, I don't, I'll say I don't always feel that, but I think we should, that should be a goal of ours. As we think through our own situation, we should be turning, turning outward in love toward others, especially the ones in the family that are sitting with us. Mm -hmm. And so we should be more apt to be kind and loving toward them and other people as well, but certainly of our own family. Yeah, I, I will say the times that, and again, it's it's how do you do things so they're not so uh, stale, but like yeah. when we used to do a Thursday night service and it was a small group, and people used to come up and we'd take communion together at the communion tables at the front, right? So you're mm-hmm. standing up there together, taking communion together, and it's more, it's both more casual and also feels more unifying and yet also more formal at the same time. 
Um, and then other times we have done in the past where we've said, hey, come up together, grab your your elements as a family, and then go take them together. Yeah. It's hard with the group, but I agree with you. It becomes, you're trying to unite people together in, in one thing, but we're also very separated as we do it. And yeah. Especially now, let's well, face it. Especially now, it's even worse. But and, yes. and I didn't mean that as, as any yep. criticism. Just no, like that is this to me the ideal. We're we're being knit together through our activity and worship together, um, and much like when we're you know together for a message, just preaching or or worship songs or whatever. But certainly in communion, when you know taking a meal is is a more intimate experience than others. Yeah. Well, no, I'll ask this because I I can probably infer the answer. But I mean, I'm have you ever given communion to your family? I have not. Okay. I was thinking even even at church you may have at some point, or I'm, I'm surprised by that. It, it actually is a very moving thing. It's one thing to take communion together. It's another with people that you love dearly, that you know have a faith in Christ, and you're taking it together. That's to your point about how do we do it as a family. It is such a knitting experience mm-hmm. when you can spiritually lead your family in an act like this and be able to acknowledge that we're all of the same place and we love each other for lots of reasons, but we really love each other because of what Christ has done in us. For sure, and I think there's different ways I might think about that because I, I, I think of what is what are the roles of, a, of the church and where are the roles of an individual believer and, and how where does the church have some authority and some—and I, and I think— in my mind, communion is one, and and so so the open communion concept is a stretch for me a little bit, mm-hmm. um, and completely open. So so you know the church administering communion. We think back. I can think back in you know the times of the Reformation, and uh, you know where it was a well in, in the Roman Catholic Church. It's more of a locked in mode because it's it's the role of the church. They have the keys of the kingdom. Yeah. It's it's the uh, the church that proclaims this person is a Christian. Um, be, and not that, not that it does it infallibly, of course, but right. but but you know it's been tried and talked to, and, and to the best of our ability, we believe this person is and is not a Christian, and therefore they are able to come to the family meal together. Um, so there is this: what is the role and what's the responsibility of the individual believer or the family or the head of the household or the church? Mm-hmm. Um, I would side more on the church on that. I think be a bigger, yeah. broader discussion. But I was going to say we should we should do a, a conversation on the keys. We could. It's, right. Yeah, that's a challenging discussion. Um, we could do that sometime. And yeah. I don't think it would be a terrible thing. We could right. talk about how yeah. that works. Yeah. Um, it would be, yeah, it's a good interaction, I think. Right. So yeah. so we talk about the concept of communion, that it is a unifying, um, that we come to it with a repentant and humble heart, that we come to it from a place of, of excitedly remembering and receiving the grace that we're talking about in all of this. Yep. Um, and then so how, how do we leave the time of communion? Because we, we kind of have this um, time of reflection, time of repentance, time of partaking in the elements, and then how do we exit communion? Well, how do we exit it here? Is, is it with a worship song or with preaching? I mean, we don't, because we, we certainly don't take it and then leave to go home. Right. Right? So, I mean, I think it would be a different atmosphere if we were to take it at the end of the service and then to leave and go home. A little more somber. Um, worshipful yet somber, yeah. but you know, coming out of that, perhaps it's I mean, it's not not wrong for it to be an upbeat thing as well, because Christ is risen and uh, and He has saved us, and, and all His promises are true for those that are in Him, and uh, so I think it can go a couple different ways. I don't know. What do you What do you think yeah. about that? No, I like doing it where it's embedded within worship because I think we need to lead into more worship from it, right? Whether sure. that is in 
prayer word song, like in some way it's a continuing um, mm-hmm. action of worship. I do worry about leaving it kind of hanging because it does end up being almost this kind of sackcloth and ashes thing, uh, which I, th- I think sometimes is good and appropriate. Can but be. Right, but I think it also can... We lose... The point of communion is that we're part of the family. Mm-hmm. And so if we're part of the family, we also get to celebrate what that means. Mm-hmm. And so I want to make sure that we're still engaged in worship as we come out of communion. That's Yeah, that's good. I think that's I think it's a good point. You know, one thing that might be helpful, too, is to be more expressive and verbal in that. Um, instead of taking six minutes, take I'm just, just, just a thought. Take eight and, uh, and, and a little more elaboration on the family meal and how we, how we feel about that every once in a while. would yeah. be bad. I'm, 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 my mindset these days is into expressing verbally all the things that are happening, not just for you know, the saints or folks that have been in the church for a long time, but new people. I need, to, I need remembrances of these things. Yeah. I forget a lot. And I'm sure I'm, you know, if I make it 20 more years, I'll forget even more. But mm-hmm. some people have never heard. And, right. they, and really, there's no idea for a new person coming into church, especially in today's culture, which is um, not this you know, kind of Christian-ease kind of cultural context. Right. Um, these symbols and these, and these realities um, are not understood well. No, agreed. And and you think, but you go back into the Old Testament. I mean, why did they write um, words on the the doorposts? Why did right. they um, put altars up wherever something happened? It wasn't just so that you could ignore it. It was specifically so that it would draw attention and you could speak about it. Sure. And so we we are required to to talk about things as though we don't know, right? That right. we because we should be reminding each other and teaching and instructing. And even if you do know. If we're still sharing something of truth from Scripture, even if you do know, you still get to celebrate it. You, that's exactly right. And, and I get to celebrate, remember it more clearly and fully myself so that I can speak to others about it at home or in the workplace, wherever I might be. Yes. So, All right. Well, good conversation, Steve. Thank you. Thank you so much. It was good.